going live in five minutes. You gotta wait until we actually hit the live button. Going live in four minutes and 59 seconds. And that's really what we need your significant other to do is just do some maker vids. That would be cool. You guys could set up a camera on your 3D printer and just stop motion it. That would be pretty sweet. We could do that. I keep explaining these things, but... I'll tell him and I'll think it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's annoying, but it's true. Very true. Not pleased with this particular personality trait of my fiancé. I might be as ready as I'm going to get. Bop. Ba -da -ba -da. Hello, everybody. We're back. We are back. It'll only take me a moment to die. A horrible, horrible, horrible death. We are Uber Geek Media. Uh, we're going to be playing our live recorded podcast, episode 12 of In Absentia. That's our show, The Fall. And with me joining us tonight, I have a bunch of these co-hosts, these LA Yahoo's here. We're going to kick things off just to mess with the two gentlemen above and next to me. And we're going to start with Anne's introduction. Hi, I'm Anne. I play the Kanku Rogue story. We'll move to Mark. I'm Mark. I play the Dragonborn Sorcerer, Zigrit, who is larger than life. And John. Unlike TSR, we'll always be here for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I'm at Seasonal Vard, and I play the Tabaxi Wizard, Quill. Who wants to work with me on the recap? Maybe let, let's start with what happened. All that matters is that Story, as soon as she got into that last room, started searching. You just got a thief. It's true. She's got these these other squishy yahoos to, to take care of everything else. Hey, squishy with scales. And they keep trying to make friends with gods, and I'm done with it. Uh, yeah, so we we uh, last time uh, on this story, I believe, we kind of had things figured out as far as, uh, you know, what was going on. We, we thought we knew who the the big, big baddie was, uh, who happened to be... I can't find my notes from last time because I kept them in like three different places. I forget the the, the... Sir Gammon, Sir Gammon, uh, the, the garrison leader, and um, Sir Gammon of High Tower. Turns out we had enough evidence to point everything back to him, and we figured that he started the investigation with us because we weren't going to amount to anything. It was going to be the you know the old college try, but darn it, they couldn't find anything. He and then we found out everything, uh, confronted him, and then. We were there with uh, Friar Benjamin. Friar Benjamin just went ham on him. Well, hold on, because Sir Gammon did not recognize the damning piece of evidence that he probably would have recognized if he was doing all the stuff. Or at the very least, he was very dismissive. Yes. Yeah, I took it as more, he was like, yeah, that's not going to do it. Like, that's not going to prove anything kind of thing. I thought we had asked, did he recognize? Did it seem like he recognized? And I believe the phrase was, he does not outwardly show or appear to have any reaction to it. Yeah, and then from there, the righteous rage of, 
seemingly Pelor, uh, is takes over the body of Sir Ben or Friar Benjamin after he uh, kills Sir Gammon, and Pelor is going nuts. Uh, we we go back to the church, and he calls his people, his his clergy, basically his flock, his flock. Uh, and then a battle rages uh, from the garrison troops and all of these, you know, acolytes, basically, with a god leading the way. And we're just kind of like walking 10 steps behind him like, yep, OK, yep, he's dead. OK, he's dead. <laughs> Following in the wake. Yeah, all the way across the bridge. And then he busts down a door, kills a few people. And then we get to the top. And then what happens? Where we ended our last main story one was with this embodiment, our avatar or extension of Paylor in Friar Benjamin's body, walking to the back of the room. And then this shadow seemingly from nowhere uh, comes up behind him and stabbed him through the back of the chest with a black knife. This uh, divine light rising up out of Friar Benjamin and just winking out, essentially. That's where we ended. It was a pretty heavy, uh-huh. pretty heavy episode, really. Uh, and then in episode 11, we followed the footsteps of our two delightful druids. Philian and the old elf man. As these two druids were returning from a mission and stopped in a village. Then the village was attacked. As characters, you know, taking a step back out of the story, we, we know that this was likely the work of, uh, of the Burnt Hand. Basically, they set a ring of fire around the village, rounded up all the villagers and started slaughtering them wholesale and rounded up all of the, uh, as, as from what you could tell, just a bunch of children into the town square and were lighting pyres all around it. All but three. All but three. That's right. Suddenly, as the smoke kind of rolled in and there was screaming, suddenly the smoke kind of whooshed outward from the center of the town. And the children kind of parted. This one little girl stepped out from the crowd. The two druids, you know, we don't really know Fillion's fate right now, right? Uh, we, I think we discussed it afterwards. I think we discussed it in a, like a behind-the-scenes thing, but story-wise... Story-wise, we have no idea where the old man went. We, we don't know where the old man went. His younger druidic apprentice uh, escaped with three of the children. We kind of name-dropped the town of Gil Ryan, and thus we got a little bit of backstory. We still don't know what else happened to this little village, but ultimately from our main story, we can kind of piece together what might have happened there. Those children, Steve. It's those damn children every time. They screw up everything. Well, no, I mean, I, I want to know. I want to know who those three kids are. They're important. Maybe, maybe we'll see. One of them became Sir Gammon. <laughs> you all murdered. Good work. I, I very nearly thought about one of the survivors being Friar Benjamin, but he's he's not old enough, really. That's kind of where we're going to start tonight's episode is back about 45 years. This would be a time where the Black Hand is 
been out of action for a few years. So terror is kind of fading from people's minds. And we focus in on a man and woman pulling a small cart behind them up this paved winding trail over this very picturesque scenic outlook over a coastal city. They pull the cart off to the side in front of this large, very ornate building that glitters in the setting sun. The wife picks up a child out of the cart. And they walk in. As they walk in, sunlight beams in from seemingly every side. And you can just see this one window is semi-clear. And you can see this beautiful picture of the town and the coast and the setting sun. The light's kind of dancing through stained glass from floor to ceiling on either side of this cathedral. And these tall stone pillars. As the camera kind of pans, you can see all of these images of Pelor in different scenes of compassion, helping the homeless, feeding people, protecting, and sometimes in battle, forces of darkness. They're walking up this central aisle, pews, double rows of them on either side. The first few rows appear to be filled with people that look kind of like this this young-ish man and woman. Maybe family, maybe friends, you can't quite tell. A clergyman of Paylor, decked in white robes with a large six-pointed sun on its chest, is sitting up on the steps on this large platform overlooking. The sunbeams focus in onto this platform. And he walks down and he greets the man and the woman and gives them hugs. Says, are, are, you, are you ready? They nod and brings them up. Friends, family, we gather here today to bring this child into Pelor's sunlight. He joins our flock as a symbol of the hope that Pelor brings from the last few years of darkness. Starts lumbasting this long, ornate prayer. He walks with the child towards this more central raised platform and holds it up into the sunlight. The beams converge on the child. And this glowing aura comes around the child. This child will be blessed by Pelor. Surely, this child, out of all of us, will be a fulcrum of change on Turstland. Friends, I give you Benjamin. And then our scene fades to black. <laughs> And then we open just moments after this shadowy figure, just prison shanks, uh, Friar Benjamin in the back. This room that was brightly lit 
by this sunlight coming from Benjamin, just gone. All you can see is a few torches and sconces, a few candles. You're kind of left in silence. And the shadowy figure turns and then flits back into the shadows. Uh, well, mates, uh, I think we just watched a, a guard die. Quill, uh, Quill turns towards Story and uh, get get that gem now. Uh, Story is beak deep in drawers. She's like going through, looking for like hit the fancy candle bra. <laughs> Like, if you were listening, when the light turned off, you heard an aggravated <laughs> hum. Story, story, get that jam now, please. And Quill will make his way over to Benjamin, who I assume is now on the floor. Benjamin's collapsed. This kind of brackish blood is spreading from underneath him, and he's breathing raggedly, but he is still alive. He's clearly not in good shape. The dude just got stabbed through the chest. I mean, from the back. Medicine. Medicine check. (laughs) Okay, give me a medicine check. I love how all this super serious stuff is happening. And like, in the background, there's like paperwork going. (laughs) It's just like clearing desks. She's going through his underwear drawer. That would be a 14. You can recognize he is he's bleeding a lot and he's probably lost too much blood. It doesn't doesn't stop Quill from trying to staunch the blood flow with his own robes. Just putting pressure down on him. Benjamin, he's you know, he's kind of wheezing, blood's bubbling from his mouth a little bit. <sighs> stop them. You must go to the capital. Warn the church. <sighs> Keeps wheezing and he's babbling incoherently. I, I, I don't have... I, I'm not a cleric. I can't heal you. I, I don't have anything for you. I, we will try... Our best to help. I don't think they'll believe us. He grabs you by the arm and pulls you close. He's gone. And then he just falls back. So in none of this, of Sir Gammon's room, there is like a tincture of not dying. <laughs> like he's a schmuck. I'm going to guess that he's got a healing potion somewhere. Nothing. Do me a, a proper investigations check. We're going to be like, I'm, I'm searching a long time for me to find nothing at all. To be fair, it's, it's, it's been a few seconds since he got shanked. Okay, well, I didn't find Jack Diddley with a seven. Yeah, with a seven, you don't see anything really notable. Why don't you all give me a perception check? Quill, you have your gecko out right yep. now, right? Okay, why don't you roll with advantage since you're like 
over Benjamin. 17. 18. 19. Got that shit. You got that those shit rolls out of the way early. Jesus. All of you are just taking it in. You guys are all a little in shock, but you do notice that Benjamin's blood is flowing, if you will, in one direction. It's not like it's being drawn. There's just like this slight cant to the stone floor as it's kind of flowing towards the stone wall where you see this perfect stonework along the floor where it hits under this tapestry it's not pooling like it should does the tapestry go all the way to the floor or is there like tapestry then you know just the little fringe at the bottom reaches the floor so Ziggert's going to, like, Ziggert has been in shock this whole time. Just kind of watched the whole thing happen. His wand is just kind of limp at his side in his hand. And then he notices the blood and then just kind of wanders over and just pulls the tapestry back. You see, as you're looking, you can kind of see this seam in the stonework behind the tapestry. There has to be some sort of mechanism or something. It's some sort of passageway or door. Ziggert's going to mention that and uh guys is there's a door here and there's some something around this room and uh, that'll probably open it um and then i would like to look around for that why don't you all do a good investigations check and story i'll give you advantage you've probably been through sneaky places a lot more than the other that would be an a with advantage uh my other one was a natural one. You know when I said about getting those crap rolls out of the way early? <laughs> I will be will be looking for jam <laughs> first. Ziggert got a 13. 12. She's a little flustered. A door. <laughs> yes, good job. Found a door. You guys are searching around in the immediate vicinity of the door. And looking around, looking around, you don't really notice much. Zikrin, as you're finally just kind of done, and you're like, ah, you're a little frustrated. Lean back against the outline of the door, and you notice that it gives just a little bit. Not like a lot, but it's yeah. it's a noticeable. It's not like staying firm like you would expect. So you think maybe you might be able to just open it with a little bit of force. Zikrin says, eh, all right, come here. I think we can uh, push on the door together and it'll open on its own. How, how did my jam search go? Uh, you didn't <laughs> find anything. So the girl told us kind of specifically where it was in his room. Do I see a safe? You don't. The only notable thing in this room that you think where it might be hidden would potentially be behind this door. And yeah, he's gonna he's gonna go help push this door open with the meager meager strength I have available to me. <laughs> Story in all of her glory is gonna come and push her feathers up against that stone door. Why why don't you all give me a strength roll? <laughs> Six. Sixteen. Eleven. Same okay. Ziggurat, you're you're heaving, you're hoeing, and then you notice like this paltry little eh from story and, and quill and you're like 
really, guys? Sorry, his feet are going backwards. Which makes sense, because she's super light. Yeah, she's not a whole lot to her. Probably standing in a little bit of blood. (laughs) But you give it one last good heave, and it shifts open and reveals this dark room. Story goes, grabs a torch. I cast Prestidigitation to try to see if there's any uh, torches in the room to light. Yes, there'd be one along the wall in a sconce. It looks like it has been used recently. Cool. So I just kind of wave my wave my claw like that and in hopes that there's a torch and then see it light up in the end of the room. Boom. And then your eyes adjust and you appear to be in this private secret room of Sir Gammon. Is it a jam cellar? No, it's not a jam cellar, but seems like this is maybe where he kept kind of his prized possessions. You see about a hundred gold coins in a small chest. You mean we saw a hundred coins? One. <laughs> you mean Story saw a hundred gold coins in a chest and sleight of handed it. Ziggert just grabs Story by the shoulder. I, we hit together. We split it all equally. Right? He's not even paying attention to that. He's desperately like this is bad. This jam is necessary for more information. Ziggert's forgotten what the jam is about. He's like, Quill, what's the thing about jam, mate? There's a flurry of frustrated signs from the bird. Just, just spread some marmite on it. She said we want to. She keeps saying over and over in my mind. She wants the jam. She gets the jam. Put some Vegemite on it, mate. As you're kind of looking around, you also see a display case with a silver short sword. You see along one shelf towards the back in this place of honor, you see a ring. You see an amulet with dried blood on it. And Mm -hmm. in the center, (laughs) you see a ornate clay jar. Story goes for the jar. Checks for trap. This seems like one who would potentially trap his prized possessions. Ziggurat is like three steps walking towards that. It's like, right, trips. Uh, We don't usually trap our stuff at my house. I mean, we totally trap our stuff at my house. (laughs) It looks pointedly at story. We totally trap everything at our house. But seeing Sir Gammon's position and what he's done, I think it's fair that we simply take everything. I agree. I don't have much use for the sword there, personally. I don't know how to use the thing. Um, You mind if I have a look at the ring there? By all means. uh, Once our talented friend has a once-over of all the things, I think. Right. Traps. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You do your talent. (laughs) She's just standing there staring at you guys like, in the way. This is what I do. Uh, Ziggurat steps backwards the way he came to make room for story. <laughs> Can you guys all do another perception check for me? No, I really can't. Oh, hot tonight. 18. Well, <laughs> Ziggurat, you hear a very faint shouting coming from the direction you guys came into this room. Uh. And it seems to be moving this way. 
Yeah, Ziggurat mentions that there's people coming. Hey, we probably want to speed this up. Not, not to rush us. Yeah, so story checks for traps faster. Story glares at the DM. Just randomly into space and goes checking for traps. Okay, roll. What do I roll? Perception, I think. Oh, mighty gods. Or is it? I, <laughs> I seek to participate in the check for traps. It's normally sleight of hand. 19. Nice. You notice a glitter bomb sitting behind it. <laughs> he, he really just wanted to shame whoever found it. <laughs> and, and it's a legit just a glitter bomb? Like, I know what it is? It's a small trap that shoots out glowing particles at whoever triggers it. She tells the guys it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so- we'll... Grabs. And she goes and gets the jam. Or you get the jam. Can we get a deception? Oh, then I have to do an insight check. 14. She's lying to you. Yeah. Will, Nine. So Ziggurat like, has whatever. no reason to distrust the statement <laughs> yeah. and will go get jam. That's why I asked. It is a non-lethal. It's just going to hit him with glitter. As far as you know, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ziggurat goes up and just grabs the ring, grabs the short sword and said, uh, um, story. I don't know if you can use this, but uh... yeah, Quill. Uh, Quill attempts to grab jam. Story's already been grabbing jam. Like, you're grabbing the jam. <laughs> can we just equally are reaching out for this jam? Ziggurat also grabs the gold and uh, it's like, look, I'll divvy this out later. Uh, it's gonna go in my backpack. As you remove this little clay canister from the shelf, you hear this little click, and then a woof. But I checked for like. That was the first thing I did was go check for traps there. That's why I kept saying. And then you were looking off to the side. You didn't disarm it, though. No one disarmed it. You just said that you, you were going to lie to them and tell them it's fine. And then let them pick it up. Okay, so it was connected to the jam? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, then yeah, I told them it was fine to go get it. I didn't get the jam then. I'm, I'm looking at the sword. I'm covered in blood. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I hand, uh, sorry, the, the short sword and uh, grab the ring, and I uh, look at the amulet and go, what the hell? And I grab the amulet, too. Um, hold it out. Here's what I grabbed. Let's get out of here. When you grab the amulet, Story's eyes get real wide with a, what the hell? <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? To be fair, like the amulet looks nothing like the other amulets you've seen. But just straight up from a magical what the hell is this moment? Yeah, I could totally understand her freaking out about that. <laughs> Especially with the dried blood on it. So, yeah. But but if Quill is still going and and Ziggurat's not anywhere near where the glitter bomb is, I'm going to kind of like... And I, I imagine Story like kind of hides behind Quill as he reaches for it too. Yeah, after being glittered, Quill will turn, look down that Story... And the lizard atop his head gives, like, that very narrow-eyed, unhappy look as Quill Quill telepathically communicates with it. Show her displeasure. And you can clearly (laughs) see its features because it's also covered in glitter. Uh, P.S. Checking for traps, that looks like, is perception, according to the rulebook. Then y'all are real glad that we did not roll the correct. (laughs) For future. Yeah, so you guys can hear some shouting. And then you grab it, glitter bomb. Jam goes in backpack. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> I have no love for this town anymore. So uh, <laughs> why don't we make our way out the door and uh, get our asses out of here? I would rather not be blamed. Maybe we stop by the uh, uh, the evil goddess's house on the way out, huh? <laughs> Give it a jam. I, I would very much like to at least get that task done successfully. Right. I'll lead the way. Are, are you leaving the way you came in? Is there an alternate route out of this room? Uh, there is a balcony just outside the window. A hallway that leads opposite from the way you came in. Because you're kind of up on the top, and there's a stairwell that goes up, and a short hallway that wraps around the side. I flitter at them and go look out the balcony, see if there is a a fire escape of sort, and a cast. There's there's no like convenient fire escape or something like that. Far's the drop. Um, it's a solid seventy feet. Nah, so it's not a viable way up. Okay. Investigation done. From what you can see down there, there's fire billowing up. There's been a scuffle there. You're not seeing as many people as you saw before on the way up, but things happen. You also notice that already kind of getting towards evening, but it's it's gone full night now. Far beyond. And you were saying there was noise coming from the way we came in up the stairs. Yes. Envision this uh, suite, if you will. Okay, the circular keep has its own floor. The stairwell wraps around the inside wall of the keep and goes up. Doorway into Gammon Suite and then hallway around the corner past. You haven't been that direction. You don't know. But there's no noises coming from there. Correct. Uh, So I, I point that way as if to vote. The voices aren't coming. Yes, let's go. Uh, sounds good to me. So story goes ahead and stealth and tries to get her guys out. All this while, Quill is using Mage Hand to like, brush Glitter off his body. Sigurd's like, here, let me help. Cast Prestidigitation and you're clean. <laughs> this is a uh, much more expedient use. Story's still proud of herself. <laughs> She's just like... <laughs> The Wood Elves are pranksters. I learned a lot from them, and uh, they did love those glitter bombs. And uh, I learned the spell immediately for that reason, so trust me. Sometimes the caravans would come, and the local riffraff would just steal the packages that the caravans brought right off our front porch. <laughs> Coming from a place of sand, I probably should have learned that instead of Mage Hand, but... Yes, you know what you know, right? So you guys are heading down the hallway. What was your stealth roll? There wasn't one because people were talking. Are we all stealth rolling? Mine was 14. Okay. 13. Okay. 21. Ooh. Damn. Okay. Wider. You're a sneaky boy. A rogue. I am. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a cat. What do you, you expect? Got a plus four on your stealth. Oh, we, but, wow. Story has a plus seven. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be outpaced very quickly. <laughs> rogue. Yeah, I rolled. Crap. I have been rolling really, really bad. But I still got a 19 earlier and a 13. You guys head around the corner. You don't see anyone, but you hear that the voices and yelling is getting closer. Go around the corner and then the wall stops. 
there's no doors. The end of a hallway, there's a little half table there with a little decoration on it. Not an exit, unfortunately. What kind of ah. designs a hallway that leads nowhere? Happens all the time in video games, man. Oh, I think we're going to have to find our way out. Or uh, at least talk our way out. And we answer with diplomacy. As you guys are kind of like freaking out, you hear this running just around the corner in Sir Gammon's quarters. Scream and a yell and lots of shouting. Oh, I have an idea. Let's come in behind him and we say, What'd you do? You guys got here first. <laughs> what did you what do we do? see? <laughs> what happened? I love it. That's going to be the ongoing joke now. <laughs> Let's do it. That seems, uh, if we can simply blend in and get out without. I'll lead the way. Uh, while, while they're talking, Story's going to like try to. Story's going to see. She's going to peek quietly to see if it's religious people or guards. Acolytes. Real life atheist. I'm real bad at that. Are you trying to do this stealthily or? Yes. Trying not to get caught. Roll it. Perception. Stealth. 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 I mean, you're just you're right. looking through a doorway. It's not like you're trying to count how many there are or anything. Ten. You peek in. They're distracted. They don't really seem to notice you. From what you can see, they're just wearing plain clothing. They're they're not in like uniform. They're not wearing armor or anything like that. So villagers? Yeah. As far as you can tell, they don't have weaponry. It's just a few clubs, some sticks, pitchforks, that sort of thing. There's like four or five of them. Story just goes with her hands away from her in a very... You know that I'm a rogue, but here are my hands way. Ziggurat kind of like walks in and just kind of steps in front of her a little bit and speaks up and says, Hey, what's going on in here? Did we find any more gods? Roll a deception for me. Krill keeps his 21 stealth. <laughs> I was going to say, but he has, he's not oh, perceiving, shit. though. He asked, are there any more guards? <laughs> I'll let you roll. I'll let you roll with advantage. Okay. I mean, I was going to ask if I could do a performance check because I'm kind of putting on a show. That would be fine. Yeah. Okay. Will keeps his twenty-one stealth. Okay, that's great. You guys saw what the first roll is. Okay, this one's a twenty-two. Oh yeah, they're like, that. that no, just uh, Gammon's dead. Or sorry, Benjamin's dead. Not Gammon. Oh no, Gammon's dead. Ben- Benjamin's dead. They're like, I know. What the hell, man? Did you see all the freaky shit he was doing out there earlier? And now he's in here dead. It was like the gods themselves were in him. You saw that, right? The guards had to have had something to do with this. No doubt. They just run out and you hear more shouting down the hallway and then they just kind of fade out. One or two of them stay behind and they're just kind of going through drawers, like just loading up, making makeshift sacks and just shoving shit in there so they can take it. Ziggert looks over and says, yeah, fuck the man, right? Story starts pointing out like the nice pieces of furniture that they can take with. Ziggert goes, hey, just remember, remember how much they taxed you. There's more rooms in this building. While they're talking, Quill is just leaving. <laughs> Quill is like, he just comes in behind Story and Ziggert and just straight to the stairs. Ziggert turns around and looks at Story and says, 
You see Quill anyway? Well, to the door. Uh, back there? Maybe we should get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get out of here. He's got the right. On idea. the way out, still pointing things out to villagers. As you guys are kind of walking back through the keep and down the stairwells, you hear commotion in a few of the doors that you pass. It's pandemonium. You see villagers. The guards are grossly outnumbered. They might be more well equipped, but there's no leadership. It's one or two guards here and there trying to fend off the villagers. Villagers are taking heavy losses, but most of the time they have the guards separated. They're on the ground. They're on the defensive. They're either getting beaten to death. The villages aren't taking prisoners. They're just going to town. They don't really seem to pay you any attention. Let's get the fuck out of here. Unless they do pay us attention, Quill will not involve himself likewise just walk yeah we're just we're there's like battles going on people getting pummeled in the face and we're just if they do pay attention to quill quill will quill just throw an ice cantrip at a guard if if someone like one of the villagers is like hey you that's that's when quill be like yeah let's just ice that guy (laughs) that guard and make it seem like we're helping story trips somebody a guard of course the guards if they see you they're going the other way they want nothing to do with you essentially as far as they know the last time they saw you you were following benjamin golf clapping basically <laughs> yeah and and the villagers their focus is entirely on the guards um yeah let's just leave so you are you guys just well, booking it right out of town then let's get out of here um i'm going to get my notebook out Say we should we should check on Maude. Yes. Uh, story, before we get out of here, uh, would you like to uh, flex those fingies of yours in uh, in the blacksmith shop, maybe? Uh, there's nobody around there to care. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll see you two at Mods. Right. <laughs> so Story and I head to the blacksmith shop first on our way just to see if, uh, if there's Quit any... Quit the party. Yeah. <laughs> Split the party. In a war, in an actual battle, in, in a war zone, Sigurd's not above looting. You're gonna head to the blacksmith shop, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we're gonna go see if there's anything in the blacksmith, blacksmith shop. shop anymore. Okay, so let's just focus on you guys for a minute. Quill is going to Switzerland. He's <laughs> <laughs> just booking it out of town. Fuck these guys. Pretty uneventful. The further away from the keep you get, it quiets down. So most of the villages that are up and about at this hour are up at the keep. And the few that aren't, they've probably shuttered their homes. They're probably scared. They want nothing to do with you. Once you approach the the blacksmith shop, it's it's deserted. You know, the, what few guards there were probably ran off to the keep as soon as they heard commotion. Mr. Gammon's brain still all over the floor. Yep. But our pockets still on him. The only difference that you see is that he has a wool blanket from the, the bedroom thrown over him. That's it. Like every the scene is virtually unchanged. Ziggert's gonna look around for actually where the blacksmith might have kept his gold first. Yeah, I don't think they'll need it anymore. I mean, make make better use of it. Leave some for the villages at least, and on the way out the door. 
maybe the known villages. Story looks so proud right now. I think you guys did like a cursory check of like his bedroom, but not much else. We didn't really, yeah, we didn't look specifically <clears throat> for money. We were just kind of investigating to see if we could find any like evidence. This yeah. is more like looting his the, the blacksmith's room and shop. What's your guys' alignment? Just out of curiosity. This is probably well within reason for Ziggurat. I am chaotic good. So I kind of make up. I, I decide chaotic what's good. Neutral. <laughs> okay. Look at me being true neutral. She's got morals, but she writes them herself. So why don't you both roll an investigations check for me? All right. Oh, you son. Ah, uh, yeah. Three. Mm-hmm. It was on a natural 20 and it went. Bloop. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nails and horseshoes and maybe like like studded leather armor that he was he was working on. Is there like a bag of nails? Yes. Can I take that? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna add a bag of nails to my inventory. Okay. You know, he's he's maybe got some uh some ore lying around. He's got coal. Other than that, you you just see like some mundane metalworking stuff he's got a hammer he's got tongs he's got an anvil there you would see where during the day he maybe keeps his coin behind the shop counter you don't find like a a strong box or anything like that where he would have hidden his actual money you maybe see there's maybe a couple daggers or something like it's all mundane basic metalwork you know, he's not making any great works or anything like that. He's a blacksmith in kind of a backwater town. He probably does some repairs for the guard now and again. Ziggurat looks over at Story and says, I don't find anything. Uh, jingles and bag of nails. This might come in handy, but otherwise most of this stuff is still in progress. I didn't find any money. Uh, she grabs the dagger. How many are there? Let's say there's three daggers and a butter knife. <laughs> That's 1d4 minus 1. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to plug my nose for a sec and just pull the, the bed sheet back and say, yeah, I can't. And I'm not I'm not going to look at Sir Gammon's body. Story. Oh, story's all over checking the pocket stuff. Yeah. You know, there's no pursuit, so you guys can just, you can take a default roll on that if you want. There's no rush. Yeah. It's Sir Gammon. He's got something on She's going to search every crevice. He's not going to mind anymore. <laughs> it's the, I don't have the stomach for it, you know? It just I killed my first person yesterday. Excuse me, I'm adding a butter knife. So, so is that another investigation check for story then on Sir Gammon's body? She doesn't even have to. If she's if she's taking the appropriate oh. amount of time, I want to say it's, it's what is it, 10 or 15 minutes or more? Small knife. Sure. Which, it's, it's a body. It's not going to take that long. She's not He's not rushed. fighting back. On Sir Gammon's body. You find one mundane silver circlet, a gold ring. We're going to write them down and then I'll ask. You find a, a silver band of twisted metal around another finger that's warm to the touch. A... He's wearing fine clothing, but it's kind of yep. covered in brain and blood. So I don't know if you want nope. that or not. <clears throat> he has, uh, I believe he had a dagger on him, and this would be a 
masterwork dagger. And it was at night, so he does not have any coin on him. That's all right. Uh, she she takes it. Takes it all. Except for the clothes. She kind of wipes things off on the clean bits of his clothes. The blacksmith, he's not that far from the exit from Hightower Keep. Like that doorway and stairwell up into the cliff face, up under the bridge. Other than the 10 or 15 minutes behind Quill, however long it would have taken you to search the body. And we'll, we'll just call it, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah, real quick, Zigrit looks at, like, pulls out of his backpack the chest as he's standing next to Story, that chest of 100 gold, and says, well, I can't speak for Quill, but uh, based on what we saw yesterday and how people outside of the walls of this city were treated, um, I'm going to take my... 33 gold of this 100 and give it to the that the leader of the people outside the walls. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Right. We'll ask Quill. You can keep it if you want. I'm not going to feel guilty. This is totally elective. Uh, but I thought it might be a good gesture of healing to help mend the people who have nothing outside of this wall. Yet again, she's not actually used any gold. The few things you guys have purchased, I think it was mostly Ziggurat that yep. did it. Literally bought food. Well, I think Quill bought some. I did buy. I I didn't buy any. I think we all did. I had no money. Um, I did buy bread. We have a lot of bread at Mog. We have a gold's worth. I forgot about that. You do have a significant amount of bread sitting at Mods. (laughs) That's right. Um, So let's uh, catch up with Quill at Mods, and then we can drop off the gold on our way out of this fucking town. So let's zip over to to Quill. Your walk, fairly uneventful as well. Oh, no. I don't go to mods at first. Like, as soon as they make their break for the blacksmith, I turn, like, I look across that large courtyard in the center of town, and I side of myself, and I head towards Baylor's Cathedral. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go see Heinrich, if he's still there. Okay, so yeah, you you walk through the courtyard, and you do walk close to where you guys found Millie's body that first night in Hightower. You think that wasn't really that long ago. You guys have kind of come into this town like a wrecking ball. We rode on the wrecking ball. (laughs) And a lot, really a lot has happened. (laughs) Take a moment to reflect on that, and then you move on. The cathedral, or the chapel is pretty silent right now. I assume most of the acolytes went with Benjamin, if not all. So He gave the call. They felt that divine notion with him. So yeah, it's, it's pretty silent. And you walk in and you don't really see anyone around. Most of the torches burned down in, in the last you know hour or so that it's been that you guys have been here last. Not even really uh, but no one's tending anything um, using my uh my gecko to kind of guide me i i'm pretty sure i was there when we brought heinrich in so unless they moved him to a different room i go to that room heinrich is laying on the bed he's out i, I wake him up or try my best to do so he he rouses what's 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 this cat i smell Smell smoke on the air. It's, uh, things have gotten very bad out there. Uh, Gammon and Benjamin are dead. The streets are 
likely to spill over in blood quite soon, as the folk want the guard dead for what has happened. I thought it'd be prudent to come and warn you. I know you didn't have direct involvement in what happened. I don't think the people will see that if they find any information. And I feel it's only right to warn you and hope that you can make your way out of this hell before things get worse. That's it's appreciated. They'll they'll not look on me favorably after this. It it doesn't matter what I have or haven't done. I'll leave tonight. Thank you. And if if you need anything, I will likely go to the capital where I still have some friends. We a last request of Benjamin, we'll be making our way there as well. So I will I will look for you. Stay safe. You too, cat. And I will just quickly as I quickly came in, I will quickly leave and make my way to Mons. Your walk there is fairly uneventful. You can kind of hear uh, Heinrich in the background. He's kind of rustling around in the uh, chapel kitchen. He's just getting some provisions, and he's just wrapping them up in a tablecloth. He's already leaving the chapel as you cross the courtyard. You make it to Mods, and you know, you've been to Mods a couple times, so you know where to look, but it, her door is a little harder to find than it normally is. She's trying to keep us keep people out wise, but you eventually find it, and it's kind of tucked back into a shadowy corner. Weirdly, there's some vines covering it. Push them off to the side, and do you knock or do you just go in? I would knock. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not story levels of comfortable with just stepping into someone's home, so I knock. It's not just stepping into her home; she's family. Come in. You open the door and she's standing there and you see her with a tall walking stick that you've never seen before. And she's holding it very threateningly out at you. The others will be along shortly. Uh, If you wouldn't mind turning that elsewhere. I don't mean to be rude. Things aren't getting better and I'd rather not get injured more tonight yeah goddamn bloodbath sit down have some stew i gotta move the door again uh story will likely find it faster than i did she ushers you over to the table and sits you down it's pretty dark in there um she just one candle lit in the background and she lights another one at the table for you and then pours you a bowl of or ladles out a bowl of stew for you and just kind of slops it onto the table as she normally does and uh you see her go over the corner and she's muttering to herself and moving her hands and you can tell she's casting some sort of spell okay well she does that i will eat stew like i'll pull from my pack the jar of jam and i'll set it on the table and just kind of snap my fingers and dismiss my gecko and eat stew in silence, as I kind of, I know where it is on the table, so I just kind of am looking in that, well, my head is tilted in that direction, but I'm not really 
doing much beyond com- contemplating what question I desire to know. When you sit it on the table, you hear Maud stop for just a split second, turns, and she goes, "Where, where'd you get that?" Pulled it from a secret room in Gammon's suite office. It's uh, was requested of us for information. Was do you do you know what that is? I have little experience. The girl said it was jam. I really, at this current junction, don't want to dig deeper than I need to. Though, if you have insight, I would take it. I was there when Gammon got that. That's that's back a long spell. That he got that as a gift when he was knighted. Hmm. That's that's good berry jam. That's that was a gift from the elves. That's when that little girl changed that town. Gammon's father helped retake that town. And the elves, there must have been one of theirs there. And he helped bring them back. And as a gift, they gave him jam made from the berries of a plant from their their sacred grove. That's that's some of the first plants that grew after the cataclysm that formed the blight. I don't know what the little girl would want with that, but that is beyond priceless. Well, thank you for that information. Now I know what it's worth. Don't tell a story. I think she has been plagued by that small girl's companions. You've you've seen the children then? They've shown themselves a couple times. Uh, more to story than us. But she seems unnerved, and I don't blame her. That girl, she can't leave that town. She can see. She can hear, but she can't act outside the town. But for whatever reason, whatever she is, she has a soft spot for for orphans. And she helps them, and they help her. If, if those children took an interest to story, then that little girl must have plans. I don't know what they are, but be careful. Can I run a finger along the edge of the jam? And even the most cruel demon has a heart for something. <laughs> I'll debate on telling the story that. I'm not sure if she'd be happy to hear it. 
She just sits down. She just stares at it. And, you know, this is probably the second time you've ever seen Maud like in a serious way. But she's she's not joking around. Um, she's not herself. Too long. And then. Zigrit and Story walk in. Maud, this uh, this laid back version of Maud, if you will, she. Story and Zigrit. You. Uh, Come grab some stew. Uh, I think you guys are going to have a long night. Maud gets a huge hug. And she squeezes you the most squeezy Minnesota hug ever. Heck yeah. It's like 20 minutes long. See, my God, you're okay. You're here. Will will probably fill them in about Heinrich. And that he went and stopped in and told Heinrich to get out of town. Yeah, you guys commiserate. You have your stew. You stayed long enough for a short rest. We have using hit dice. Are you guys going to head out of town and, and go to Gilryan right away? Or are you going to wait till morning? Try to stay with Maud? What's the plan? If Maud's got beds, I'd stay in where I'm safe. She doesn't. But she's got a floor. Yeah. Heck yeah. And you guys have bedrolls. Yeah, that makes sense. And she le- legitimately... Quill, you would probably realize this, and Zigrid would probably realize this, and probably to a, a, an extent, Story would realize this too. It's she's probably got the hardest to find place in town. Yep, but that doesn't stop Story from worrying about her, and so that's they're here not only because it's safe for them, but they're but she can also keep an eye on the person she cares about most in this world or in this town. I meant so she's going to work out. Watches and everything. The night is mostly uneventful, but about 2 a.m. So who would take first watch, first of all? Probably Quill. Quill has some more stuff to think about. Probably taking, what, like three-hour shifts or something like that? Whatever gets us a long rest. And that's a full eight hours rest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Think yeah, okay. So yeah, it'd, it'd be about three hours each with a little bit of overlap. Uh, well, total, it would it would be more than that. Um, but just so everyone can rotate through. So around two a.m., whoever's on watch at that point, you start to hear a rustling outside, and someone can do a perception. Ziggert's probably getting up to switch shifts with Quill at that point. So yeah, it would probably be the end of Quill's shift, the start of Ziggert's shift. Okay, so give me a perception. 10. 15. So it's dark out. Ziggert, you probably wouldn't notice anything. You might notice that rustling noise, but Quill, you would hear it, and it sounds like light footsteps outside. And remember, the last time you saw it, the door was kind of in this shadowy corner. You don't know exactly where the door is now. But as you peek out of one of the windows, you see two or three children kind of clinging to the shadows, just staring at the door. (laughs) You're not getting a feeling of menace from them. They just seem like they're waiting. Do you just chill or uh, I'm going to take the jam and hand it to Ziggurat and uh, if you wouldn't mind waiting here for a second uh, no problem yeah, won't eat it I promise 
And uh, Quill will pop open the door and step out side with the children. And they don't say anything. They just wait. It's a bit late uh, tonight. But we uh, planned on taking a visit to your patron tomorrow morning. That same little girl from the fire approaches from one of the shadows. She goes, we know she sent us. The way will not be safe tomorrow. We're here to help. That is a very kind offer from you. There are more coming. More of what we saw. And Quill kind of gestures up to the keep. She hasn't told us that. But she said to come and and get you to the village. You go rest. We'll keep watch. Would you happen to want some stew? Sure. Quill will pop back inside, ladle up a couple bowls, and bring it out to them. Sit there in the shadows, and they just kind of eat their soup. Oddly serious, they're not like playing around or anything. They're just eating their soup, watching the door. Two or three of them now are kind of facing in each direction. And they just wait. You kind of unnerve the little one, the bird. Just information. Do with it what you will. And he kind of brushes a little bit of glitter that was missed during the prestidigitation off of an ear. Have a good night, and thank you again. And he goes back inside. Because it's glitter, and there's no magic in the world strong enough. And especially in my world, where I know the truth about glitter, and it's horrible. We're gonna get a we're gonna get a wish scroll, and I'm gonna use it to get rid of all glitter, <laughs> all of the glitter in the whole goddamn world. I just want it to continually be now that, like, every once in a while, there's still like some glitter. Yeah, I'll be finding glitter in my fur for years. Do you go to bed then and let Ziggurat take over watch? Yeah, I let, I let him take over watch. Uh, I do fill him in, like, hey, they're guarding us. They're here to protect us. They'll be helpful. Ziggurat kind of opens the lid, so you're saying definitely don't eat any. Don't. <laughs> don't take that gem. Unless she offers some to us when we deliver it, do not touch that gem. And Quill kind of reaches over and gingerly grabs it back out of his claws and puts it back in his pack. <laughs> 30 seconds longer, might I tell you, it jams smell awfully good. It's, uh... And we have all this bread. <laughs> so much bread! There's a gold's worth of bread. <laughs> in passing, Quill would probably say, "Just you could live a thousand lifetimes and never afford a single bread piece covered in this jam. Ziggurat, as your section of the watch keeps going, you notice more and more children start to trickle in out from the night. And they're kind of taking up these positions as far as you can see up and down the road, just kind of sitting in the shadows. They don't seem like they have any weapons and they don't seem like they mean any harm. They're just trying to look as nonchalant as creepy little children can in the shadows at night. (laughs) The only time you really notice them 
is when you're actively like trying to do a head count. Otherwise, they they seem very adept at staying out of sight. Your watch ends. And then it would be Story's turn. Figure <laughs> yeah. just takes a claw and just shakes Story a little bit. Hey, you watch. There's a shit ton of creepy children out there. <laughs> so many children out there. Listen, um, they just keep coming. I can't stop it. <laughs> to just, yeah, take your watch. Children out there. Brings out her notebook and write her children? Question mark. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> she goes and grabs one of the mountain. One loaf out of the mountain of bread and stew sits there, stares at it, goes back, grabs a couple more loaves of bread, <laughs> goes outside, hands them out to children furry, and then goes back inside and eats just pouting, stew. just with this. <laughs> I'm gonna eat this, but I'm not gonna like it right now. That's a lie. I love this. <laughs> I'm gonna love it, but I'm not gonna be in a good mood about it. <laughs> I mentioned like halfway through her watch, one of the children, like just in a very Japanese horror way, like underneath the windowsill, fingers start rising up. <laughs> then it rolls back over to Quill. And by the time you wake up, uh, you know, it, Dawn is, is kind of, well, it'd be what, uh, th- three or four hour shifts. So yeah, yeah, it'd, it'd be around Dawn. As it brightens, you notice there are considerably more children out there. Easily 50 or 60 of these children out and about. And they're kind of lining this little corner of the the path or the road that goes past the doorway. They're just waiting. Well, then, uh, seems like a good time as any. <sighs> so I'll wait a little while longer. Maybe get a little bit more stew in me. And then wake my uh, companions up. Are you wake Maud up too? Does Maud want to see a bunch of creepy children? Probably not. Oh, because if you don't wake her up, but I, I want to see Maud seeing a bunch of creepy children. So yeah. <laughs> you wake Maud up. She gets up. She like goes and pours herself a hot cup of stew. <laughs> starts making coffee and then she glances out the window and then like does a double take and she just whispers children of chaos and you see her make a movement with her hand and she's got her staff and she's just pointing it at the window they're here to protect us so that we can deliver the jam oh story signs at her i don't like it yeah yeah this 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 they're creepy as shit. Yeah. Weird. She's kind of... They seem kind of nice. She kind of sits back down. She goes, I'm just going to sit here with my staff. You guys... I don't normally like to rush people out, but... You want to you wanna no. take them with you? Great. Yes. We'll, uh, we'll be off. Thank you. Maud gets another huge hug. Big hug. Not just a place to stay, but thank you for being a decent human and very indecent times. She goes, y- y- are you guys 
where are you, where are you headed now? I don't think you guys told her you're going to the capital next, were you? Benjamin asked us to warn the church when he was uh, on the floor bleeding out. Apparently, his last words were, he's gone. Not exactly sure what that means, but... Could I make, like, an, an inf- a deduction roll? Like, could Quill, like, deduce anything from what... Yeah, you could, you could do an intelligence roll. There's a religion check option for a skill. Or, yeah, a religion. Yeah, religion would be fine. Can I also, since I don't have a horrible religion? Somebody who doesn't know how to say the dang words. That is a 22. Damn. 10. So, yeah, uh, Quill is like, huh. <laughs> Think, like, kind of collating all that information together after the traumatic event. I was like, huh. You know, you're kind of piecing it all together. The really the only logical assumption is is he means Paylor. Hmm. Like it was it was very clear that somehow he embodied Paylor for at least a moment. Um, like had that physical mani- man- manifestation of the divine in him, and then this presence that Benjamin's probably felt for most of his life left him, essentially. And probably at the point in his life that he needed it most, right at the end. Quick uh, quick question, Maud. Do you know if you can kill a god? Quick question. Might kill a god? Uh, I mean, Maud goes, well, I mean, there's precedence. Those gods have killed other gods, but most of the time it's imprisonment or banishment. I mean, it's you think of how many gods there are. It's I, I imagine somewhere along the way someone must have and there's there's stories of gods killing other gods and I've never heard of a person doing it. Yeah, Quill just gets more and more rigid and tense and like well, that's bad. We're going to the capital. You won't stick out so much there. That's good. But first, we have to deliver jam. Which I'm kind of excited for. Let's go do this. And, uh, you know, she, she does help you, gives you some more provisions for the road. She gives you three flasks. You won't get thirsty with these. You can take a drink of them, and it just refills a little bit. What's it called? Don't remember, but I know there is a... And I think it's like Endless Flask or something like that. I don't remember. Decanter of Endless Water? Mod's Tasty Cup. Yeah, you can use that for that. Decanter of Endless Water? Oh, no, we may want not want to use that one seems a little too powerful in comparison we can, you can make yeah. a custom item i'll just uh, do that let's, yeah let's just call it mods endless Love cup it. mods endless cup um while we are while we're all standing around too uh, i'll tell quill the same thing i told story um quill look there's this chest that we got of 100 gold i could split it up evenly three to three each uh you can choose to keep it that's your prerogative but 
uh, Story and I will be donating this gold to the um, the outskirts. Uh, our, our, our gold. You can keep yours. No judgment. Uh, Story writes in her, her book and a few pieces to Maud. I think it'd be prudent of us to take a couple pieces to stay along the way as I'm a little bit tapped for funds myself and staying out in the wilderness that entire journey. Let's do this. Uh, ten gold pieces each? Not even that. I, I was thinking five to stay a night somewhere and then the rest divvied between what Maud would like to take and the outskirts. Let's do that then. So five each. Five each. Keeping five. And then that leaves uh, another five to Maud and then uh, 80 gold for the the folks on the outskirts of town. And then, um, so uh, let's go past their place. Now, uh, we'll give the creator gold to the uh, the magister or whatever his name is, the leader of the outskirts, the elder. The elder. Give him the gold chest and say, yeah, there's so much stuff going on in there. It's best you're outside of these walls. Uh, but let me bring a little of outside of the walls or inside of the walls to you. And I open the chest of 80 gold. It's not much, but um, hopefully it makes a, a bit of amends and we can feel our impact here has been sufficient. Plops down and looks a little taken aback and just sits there. Just Thank, 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 thank you. I recommend staying as safe as you can. Things are going to be insane in there for a while. I'd keep this gold quiet and uh, use it to however you want. You're the elder, um, but you might want to use it to use supplies and not flash the gold around. And he just sits there kind of shell-shocked, doesn't really say anything. You, he just literally just has a heart attack and dies. No, uh, <laughs> no, he, he just sits there very shell-shocked. Just th- thank you. You You can't imagine what this means for us. At least we can do. And uh, Ziggurat finger guns, but uses prestidigitation to have like little, little puffs of fire come out. And he really has a heart attack and dies. No, (laughs) (laughs) it has no words. You know, he just sits there kind of stunned. I'm assuming we at least like convinced the cadre of tiny, creepy children to stay like 20 feet back (laughs) from this moment. No, they, as soon as you get to the outskirts, they kind of blend in. Oh, good. I mean, there's there's so many tents and lean-tos and shanties. If you were in an aerial view, you would see this kind of general movement of small bodies in a, a rough circle around you for a couple hundred yards. But otherwise, just sitting there, you don't really notice Gravy. it. Story writes on her little pad to show the guy. Don't forget to take care of the orphans, too. Community funds. Everyone. We'll take care of everyone. Thank you. With that, uh, we have places to be. Time to get rid of the creepy children now? Oh, I want to get the hell out of here. Um, yes. Yes, of course. They'll be gone forever, and you don't want to have to worry about them ever again. Story. Be on the lookout. 
I'm ready to get rid of these kids too. These little creepy fucks. And uh, <laughs> uh, should I roll deception? <laughs> this is the real question here. Sure, if you want to, yeah. Yeah. So insight. Uh, I got an eleven on my insight. I rolled a natural twenty. <laughs> ah, well. Lori yeah. wants to believe. Knowing what Mod told me last night, it's like, yeah, we'll totally get rid of these children in the most convincing way. He just has like the lizard nod his head down at Story for him. Like, like a little wink. Story wants to believe so bad. Everything will be much better once we get rid of the charm. Everything will a okay. Is there a denial rule? <laughs> no, I think you. I think you bought it. I think you believe you're in. All right, so you guys head out of town. I'm gonna let you do a. Let's everyone do a perception check as you guys leave town proper and head towards Gilroy. Ah, Twenty six. Oh, that's, that's a six as well. Mine was gonna be sixteen. I got so excited. Hyper aware because lots of children. As you're going along the path, you just see these children kind of flitting about in the woods along the path. They don't actually stay on the path by you. And and story, as you're walking, you happen to glance off into the brush off to the side, and you just see a, a an adult leg just lying off to the side of the path. I stop the guys. I point at it. Um, it's a big leg. Who do you suppose that belonged to? Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, Story, um, it's laying down, yes? Yes, it is. All, all you can see is just, you know, a tree and some brush and then a leg kind of sticking out of the brush. Flicks a ball bearing at it. Doesn't move. I, I'm going to chalk this up to not our problem. Is that okay with everyone else? It seems right. Yeah. Those kids are scary as fuck. Let's get out of here, guys. Yeah, let's keep going. For those of us listening, Anne has like the best there's something awful tasting in my mouth look right now. <laughs> so yeah, you guys make it to Gil Ryan without much more of an eventful. The the traffic has ceased. Like they're Worries you might have passed the last time you came through, like one or two people on the main road out of town. No one. And then you turn off by that large stone, that kind of tall, narrow stone that marks this kind of overgrown path to Gil Ryan. And as you walk into town, again, it is eerily quiet, but on the corner of nearly every single house that you pass, there's one or two children just standing and just staring. How many orphans are in this area? Enough. As you approach the cottage, the girl is just standing in the doorway. The door is open. And she's just standing there with a big smile on her face. And this time she doesn't have the red stuff all over. And she's just sitting there patiently waiting. And that's where we're going to end our episode for tonight. Well, actually, that gives me a week to think about the things I want to talk about. I mean, I kind of know what I want to talk about, but 
give me a week. That's that's better. Oh, I gotta make sure I log my short or my long rest. I mean, take long rest. <laughs> get those uh, get the spell slots back. Uh, well, let's wrap her up then. Thanks everyone for listening, and we will see you next week for episode thirteen. Got to make it special for that number. All right. And spooky. Bye. See you guys.